0: And You guys can be seated. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and I want to be another person to say to you, Happy Mother's Day. I hope that each and every mom in the room gets to sit back and enjoy the day today, get to enjoy your nice, clean house that we all know that you spent yesterday cleaning. And so uh, we want you to have a wonderful day. I read a a definition of mother. It said, uh, Mother is one person who does the work of 20 for free. That's right. Gordon, Gordon testified. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, one young mom said, I hate it when I'm waiting for mom to cook dinner, and then I remember I'm the mom and I've got to cook dinner. <laughs> I love this uh, statement. Uh, it, it rings so true at our house especially. Maybe you deal with this at your house, but uh, I was told that legend has it, if you take a shower and scream mom three times, a nice lady appears with the towel that you forgot. And that one's for you, Avery. <laughs> <laughs> moms have amazing abilities uh, they, uh, she can hear a sneeze through closed doors in the middle of the night three bedrooms away while her husband sleeps snoring next to her but she can hear it all the way on the other ha- end of the house uh, one mom said I don't want to sleep like a baby I just want to sleep like my husband When uh, speaking of those amazing abilities, uh, somebody said that mom's voice was so loud the neighbors got up and brushed their teeth and got ready. (laughs) And last but not least, uh, what is the difference between Superman and moms? This is a bonus for you guys to go and tell your mom this uh, today, later on. Superman is just a superhero now and then, but moms are superheroes all the time. We thank you. Uh, moms in the room so happy mother's day but like other holidays mother's day can be emotional for a number of reasons uh, many in our church family are in difficult seasons of life right now in fact dealing with health concerns specifically related to their moms and so we ask that you uh, pray for those especially pray for the right family miss charsa lost her mom on friday on mother's day weekend Yesterday I was speaking at Baby Dedication and it was a wonderful time with several families in the room uh, lifting these babies up uh, to the Lord. And and they were surrounded by friends and family and I was able to tell them that we as a church want to come alongside of them and help them to raise those children. And in the same way we're here to provide support and encouragement to each of you during difficult seasons of life. And so I want to say... Uh, my prayer is that whatever emotions come to your mind on Mother's Day, you can, that we pray that you can find joy in the Lord. And we as a church family want to encourage you in these times as well. This morning, we are wrapping up our series entitled Jesus Matters. It's in the book of Colossians. We've gone through the book of Colossians in four weeks. Uh, week number one, we looked at this, uh, the topic of Jesus and just the supremacy of Christ and why He and He alone matters. And then in week two, we talked about how he matters in our daily lives, the choices that we make, the challenge to run from sin and pursue righteousness. And last week, Pastor Todd uh, talked to us about our work and how Jesus matters in our work and how we're to be reminded that we're working for God and not for men and to do our best no matter what our job is. Today, we're going to talk about the topic that Jesus matters when it comes to our words. So if you would open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to talk about words today, and what I love about this series is that each of these topics uh, is completely relevant to everyone, everything that we've talked about from our attitude to our work ethic and now to our words. uh, There's no week that you could tune out and say, well, that one doesn't apply to me, because uh, just like Paul was talking to the church at Colossae, he's speaking to us on each and every one of these topics uh, in the book of Colossians. Uh, some people in this room are talkers. Like myself, I can't stand silence. We, uh, if I'm in a room and it gets quiet, I have to speak and fill that void. Others in the room are kind of quiet, and you pick and choose your times to speak wisely. But even for the quiet person in the room, your words matter. They can build up or they can tear down. They can help people find Jesus or they may turn people away from Jesus. Remember, Paul's writing to a group of believers here and he's challenging them and us to make Jesus the cornerstone, the foundation of everything that we do. In chapter 2, verse 7, he said, Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Paul is saying that in everything we do in every area of our life our conduct our, our speech our work our workplace that it all should be founded on Jesus and let everything that we do reflect that Jesus matters he reminds in uh, chapter two that who they were without Christ, and it's good for all of us to remember that. Keaton spoke to that this morning. Paul tells the the church there that they were dead because of their sins, and I think that it's so important for us to remember that because that is the motivation for us to live for him. That's seeing what Jesus Christ has done for us, that we were once dead and now we're alive, and him should spur us on and should motivate us to let him be the foundation of our lives. He instructs the church there how to live out their new life in Christ. And then that new life obviously revolves around relationships. And so in chapter 3, he begins to talk relationally about how we interact with other people in our lives. In chapter 3, he teaches on how Jesus matters in those relationships with husbands and wives and children and employees and employers. And he closes out this list of relationships with where we begin today in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. So if you would look at look with me at Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 5, and Paul wraps up this list of relationships that we have uh, in our lives and how we have to uh, use those opportunities to tell folks that Jesus matters. Verse 5 says this: live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most. Of every opportunity. He adds unbelievers to this list of relationships that we interact with on a regular basis. Paul assumes that these believers in this church here they're going to be involved in their community. They're going to be interacting with unbelievers everywhere they go. In other words, much of their lives would revolve around relationships found outside the church. It should sound familiar to us. Just think about where you were at yesterday, where you were at last week, or maybe even last weekend. And think about school, sporting events, at the gym working out, your workplace, Walmart, the restaurants that you go to. We interact with unbelievers everywhere we go. And Jesus matters in all of those places. And so Paul says, live wisely among those who are not believers. So as we're out in the world, live wisely, making the most of every opportunity. We interact with people in those areas and in those relationships with our words. And so he goes on in verse six. And he says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Gracious and attractive. Does that describe your words last week? Are those your words? Maybe they weren't even your words this morning. Are you kind? Are your words harsh? Are they demanding? Maybe they're vulgar. Maybe they're filled with gossip. Paul says that our words should be gracious and attractive. He says that when we're out there in the world among unbelievers, to take advantage of every opportunity. Now, when you take advantage of an opportunity, there's a purpose in that. So what's the purpose? Why are we taking advantage of every opportunity? The the purpose is to demonstrate that Jesus matters, and we do that with our words. It's to preserve the message of Jesus. The the translation that you're reading this morning, another translation of God's Word might say in that uh, verse 6, to let your conversations be seasoned with salt. It's a little different than gracious and attractive, but it means, it means the same thing, seasoned with salt. If you're at the table at the restaurant this afternoon and they put a basket of chips down in front of you or whatever your plate looks like, the chances are you're going to reach for that salt shaker and you're going to pour it on there because it tastes good. It helps to uh, bring out the flavor. It helps to make it taste good. When your words are seasoned with salt, they're good to hear. A lot different than maybe some of the words that we said last week. When your words are seasoned with salt, they're uplifting, they're helpful, they're encouraging. We're going to begin a series in Proverbs uh, in the next few weeks. And there's a proverb, uh, verse, chapter 16, verse 24. And it says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. It's important to note here that Paul's not talking about masking the truth or just flattering people all the time or ignoring sin, but he's talking about being kind and gracious no matter what the subject is in the words that we say. In other words, let grace be the salt in your words. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Respond, don't react. Remember that you're not perfect either. If we just take a step back, a lot of times, I know in my life, I... I might snap, I might say something, I might say some harsh words, and if I would just stop and think, I would realize I've done the exact same thing before. So let grace be the salt in your words. Another use of salt is as a preservative. Egyptians, like they did in many other cases, they were the first to realize this about salt. They uh, realized that sodium draws out uh, the bacteria-causing moisture from foods. I've, told, I've been told it draws out moisture out of your electronic devices too, but it's never worked for me. I don't know about you. But uh, they realize that it draws out the bacteria-causing moisture from foods and preserves the life of the meat. If your words are seasoned with salt, with grace, get this, you can preserve the life of those relationships. You can enhance those relationships. You can build up those relationships. Your words build up and strengthen those bonds as they get rid of the divisive comments. As they get rid of the harsh language, the hateful, mean words and those relationships are preserved. When your conversation is gracious and attractive or seasoned with salt, whichever you prefer to say, you're preserving the gospel. You're preserving the good news about Jesus Christ. You're telling the world that Jesus matters in all of those relationships. That's the point Paul's making throughout the book of Colossians as he builds this case and tells this young church how to portray to the world what Jesus has done in their lives. I love an author by the name of Warren Wearsby, and he put all of these topics together in one quote, and he said, When character conduct and conversation, that's our last three weeks that we've talked about. When character, conduct, and conversation are all working together, it makes for a powerful witness. When your character, your conduct, and your conversation are all working together, built on the foundation of Jesus, guess what? That's a powerful witness. That's preserving the gospel, that's telling the people around you Jesus matters. Speaking of powerful witness, Luke chapter 4, verse 22. Speaking of our Savior Jesus, the Bible says everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. Would we expect anything different than for him, our perfect example, to do exactly what Paul is telling us to do, to fill our words with grace? And the people around Jesus, they, they were amazed by the gracious words that came from the lips of Jesus Christ. We'd expect nothing less from Our primary example in everything that we do. Read with me again verse 5 and 6 from Colossians 4. I love to soak in. It says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone, the right response. That, that phrase got me kind of hung up when I began to study this, and I was wondering what kind of, what is he talking about there? So you'd have the right response. And, and I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that that means strictly in an evangelistic conversation, strictly in a, in a witnessing one on one type, type relationship where someone's asking this, or it's almost a debate about uh, following Jesus. It could be talking about your response to a biblical question or an inquiry from an unbeliever. But think about this. In our interactions with unbelievers or in any of these relationships, when it comes to husband, wife, employees, employers, all these things that we're putting together that Paul's talking about, in any of those relationships, when are we most likely to shed a bad light on the gospel? When are we most likely to turn people away? When are we most likely to miss an opportunity that he talks about in verse 5? in our response to what the world throws at us, in our response to what happens day after day, when we respond to hurt, to accusations, when people point fingers at you or someone else is just having a bad day and they lash out at you. I would suggest that one of the fastest ways that we can and sometimes do turn people from Jesus is with a quick, harsh, not thought out reaction. And so I think Paul here is telling us to take advantage of every opportunity, to let our words be filled with uh, salt and grace, so that when the world throws those things at us, we don't lose all testimony with a quick reaction. Notice he says, right response and not reaction. I talk about the difference between a quick reaction and a thought out Response in in pre-marriage counseling as I speak to young couples and I talk about the difference between lashing back out in a reaction versus thinking it through in a a kind, gracious response. And that's important in in every relationship. Paul, I think, knows that if we don't have our head in the game, if we're not focused, then instead of preserving the gospel and making the most out of every opportunity that we could do the exact opposite with our words. Let's be honest, we don't we don't know what the rest of this day holds. I was at the gas station just a couple of days ago, and uh, I was behind a gentleman who was getting his morning cup of coffee. And he went to use his debit card to get his morning cup of coffee. And the lady said, I'm sorry, sir, our, our electronics are down. And there's no sign anywhere, and he kind of is puzzled a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to report that he held it together. But in that moment, he had just a teetering moment of, do I lash out here? Uh, he's unable to buy his coffee, has no cash, and he, and he had no idea that's the way his day was going to start, but he could have very quickly said some really harsh words to that young lady who had no control over the electronics of the gas station, but he did, and he held it together. But that's the kind of thing, I say that because that's the kind of thing that might happen to us this afternoon. It might happen to us tomorrow morning at work. It might happen to us this afternoon at, at grandma's house with other family members. And, and someone says something or the world throws something at you that you're not ready for. And if you don't have your head in the game, if your words aren't filled with grace and salt, then with a quick, harsh reaction versus a kind response, we could do the exact opposite of what Paul's telling us to do here. Jesus matters, and if we want our family, our co-workers, uh, the unbelievers that are all around us to know, then we have to pay attention to our words. Psalm 141, I love this, this prayer, and I think it's one that we could probably all add to our day. Psalmist here says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Take control of what I say and guard my lips. Wouldn't it be something if... At the end of your day, you could lay your head on the pillow and you could think, in my conduct, in my character, in my conversation today, I preserved the gospel. I I, I preserved the gospel. I showed the people around me that Jesus matters. And I think that in order for us to be able to get to that point, we've got to obviously rely on Christ. We've got to obviously tell God that that we can't, uh, we're going to slip up. God, please guard my lips Take control of what I say. You're going to put me in those situations I know you are and help me to to say the right words that are seasoned with salt. Paul's telling the, the church here at Colossae, the same he's telling us, to put all these instructions together and live out our new life in Christ. Put them together and live it out. One commentator said this, It's not about what you know. It's about how what you know changes the way that you live. We could walk out of here today and we could say, Boy, that's, that's good. That's right. I need to watch what I say. But if it doesn't change the way we live, it's pointless. It's worthless. He said it's not about how much stuff you put in your head. It's not about how much stuff you know. It's about how what you know changes the way that you live. Your character, your conduct, your conversation. They need to reveal that Jesus matters. So this morning church, um, I challenge you to apply God's word. Pay attention to your words. Preserve the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Live like Jesus matters to you. And if you've never heard that Jesus matters, let me tell you that he's the only thing that matters to your salvation. You see, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus so that we wouldn't be dead in our sins any longer if we just place our faith and trust in him. And Jesus came and he lived on this earth and he spoke those gracious words that people were amazed by. And they, and they still put him on the cross. And he died on the cross to pay for my sin debt and your sin debt and all the sin debt of the world. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And that's what gives us the hope, the assurance of eternal life and a relationship with Him so trust me Jesus matters Jesus matters maybe you're here today and you've been turned away from church and you're maybe only here because it's Mother's Day maybe you're giving Jesus one last chance you were turned away from Christianity you were turned away from Jesus because of someone's words let me tell you that I'm sorry words hurt We've all been on the wrong side of some harsh words before, and they're no fun. But I want to ask you this morning to not let someone else's mistake cause you to make the ultimate mistake of rejecting Jesus Christ. So if someone's hurt you with their words, I pray that you'll turn to Jesus this morning. Church, again, I... I, feel like I'm saying it over and over again, but it's not going to do us any good if we just hear this and don't change the way we live. It's not about what we know. It's about how what we know to be true in God's word changes the way that we live. I pray that's true for everyone in this room as we've been through this series talking about the fact that Jesus matters. May we show the world around us that he matters. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the folks in this room who have come to worship this morning. Lord, I pray that we would apply your word, that we would leave here just an incredible bright light pointing people to you wherever we go this week, whether it's in family relationships, whether it's in work relationships, whether it's with the unbeliever at the gas station. Lord, I pray that people would look at our lives, our character, our conduct, our conversations, And we would make the gospel attractive. We would preserve the gospel. People would see that Jesus matters. Lord, I pray for the one in this room today that has never placed their faith and trust in you. That today could be the day that they realize that they are dead in their sin. And their only hope is to place their faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.